Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Amin Faisal Muhammad here from Muslim CEO. And this is a new um, yet unnamed uh, podcast or show that we'll be doing inshallah. Um, today, uh, I mean, the, the basic idea is that we're going to be talking about uh, the happenings in the kind of what it's like to be in marketing, being Muslim, stuff like that. But also we're going to kind of flex some of our skills, take on some marketing challenges, which I think will be, you know, entertaining and kind of educational at the same time. So if you're, you know, into a business, like you're running a business, you're starting a business, or you're just kind of interested in this kind of space, uh, then definitely tune in. Uh, we'll probably be doing this every two weeks or so. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to get this going. It's going to be uh, very, unlike the other show that we do, it's, it's uh, much, much less formal. It's not an interview. It's just three partners. Uh, these are three of us who started Muslim CEO, just three of us kind of uh, kicking it and talking about, uh, you know, stuff that really we're, we're kind of interested in anyway, right? So uh, yeah, the, the, the topic for today, or maybe we should first introduce ourselves a bit. So I'm Amin. Uh, like I said, I'm one of the co-founders of Muslim CEO. Uh, my background is pretty much marketing through and through. Um, I've done too many degrees that I, you know, I would rather not mention them. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so now, alhamdulillah, uh, we've been uh, together, working together in one form or another, probably for three and a bit years. Uh, so yeah, that's me. Um, and yeah, uh, do you want to go next, uh, Muhammad? Just because you're next to me. You're, yep. Assalamualaikum. So I'm. Hey, uh, uh, I'm Muhammad, and I'm the CEO and also a co-founder of Muslim CEO. Um, so I have been uh, involved in the Muslim space for about 15, 15 to 17 years, something like that. Um, so marketing is like a huge passion for me, just like the rest of those guys. Um, and I'm going to point you to Vessel next. Assalamualaikum. So I'm Vessel. I'm. I've got a slightly different background to everyone in the sense that I've got maybe 10, 12 years in the corporate world. Uh, initially, uh, so, uh, law by sort of academics, but then mostly in procurement buying uh, for sort of retailers and stuff. And then uh, I've been in kind of entrepreneurship for probably about eight or nine uh, years uh, across different sort of startups. And, and uh, um, my kind of passion that I'm marketing are predominantly things like sort of um, brand strategy, uh, content. I don't basically. I love all the creative aspects of it. So I love coming out with random wacky ideas, and and then mm. these guys ignoring them. <laughs> <laughs> Serial entrepreneur. Yeah, that's yeah. what. Uh, you could start stuff and not finish them. Basically, yeah, that's, that's it, the creative yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you come. In. You guys come in. I, I can start them and get them going, and you guys finish it off. Inshallah. Um, so so for this uh, this episode, we decided to start it off with. Something that really we're not planning on doing a ton of episodes like this, where it's like we're just talking about a topic. What we hope to do is like these kind of marketing challenges, but we'll mix it up, inshallah. Today, we want to talk about, uh, you know, we're Muslims. We often serve Muslims when it comes to clients, when it comes to our students. They're often Muslims and they're often they're selling to Muslims, right? So we wanted to cover the topic of the Muslim market, right? So, I mean, firstly, let's kick it off with what is the Muslim market? Go on, first. Wow. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, okay. Uh, just interrupt. Okay, fine, fine. Okay. <laughs> We're just being very uh, I was said, um, formal. You, you got okay. your flipping suit jacket on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is casual, bro. This is like how about your entire role, as you know. Okay. So um, the Muslim market is, I, I guess, it comes down to from you know from like 
we have the uh, the Islamic economy as a kind of macro level, don't we? Um, actually, you know what? Okay, if you guys go into it, then I'll come. Okay, I, I wasn't thinking of Islamic economy being like one thing and then uh, Muslim market being another. I just thought it's the same thing, is it not? Yeah, I think I think I think for me, like we've we've got to remember where we are in the world and uh, what we're talking about because. Obviously, when we're talking about Muslim market, we're actually talking about it from a Western perspective. Because if you live in a Muslim country, the whole country is Muslim, right? In that sense. So mm -hmm. in a way, I think when we talk about Muslim market um, and a lot of the people that we interact with, we're talking about in the Western world, uh, you know, what are Muslims like when it comes to mm -hmm. buying and selling and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and the market as a whole. Um, and the fact that I think in these countries, we're a minority, I think that's kind of changed the game a little bit in that sense, because, you know, in a normal country where it's Muslim, whether it's the UAE or Pakistan or somewhere, you'll see that they just, there's a huge consumer group. They all have different habits uh, based upon their demographics. But whereas in yeah. the West, we are like a portion of the total population. And from that, we have certain behaviors, certain demographics. So for example, right now, you know, every single Muslim in the Western world uh, has some connotation of Ramadan right now, right? Because of the fact that they're here. Um, whereas in Pakistan, literally almost everyone has that connotation. So uh, within the Western world, I think we have a market of people who identify themselves as Muslim. I think the scope for how they identify themselves is very, very wide. So we have people who are very, very practicing, very, very, uh, you know, devout and uh, Islam is everything for them. And then on the other side of the scale, we have people who, Maybe just because of their name, they're kind of Muslim, but they still identify with Islam and they still see that as mm -hmm. like an identity, like people would see like a cultural identity. So mm -hmm. I think like that's, that's, that's like the, the overall mm -hmm. thing in the Western world. It probably depends. It probably depends like what the Muslim market is, right? Because, um, you know, I think that in the, in the UK, for example, there's elements of, um, like you said, bro, be, just because your name is Muslim, and you're South Asian, yeah, you'll become part of the Muslim market, right? In the sense where, um, okay, imagine like I'm going to pitch um, Tesco to get my samosas put in the store. I'm going to say, well, the market is this size. I'll mm -hmm. be counting. I won't be counting like how many prayers does this guy pray? I'll be counting, is this guy South Asian pretty mm -hmm. much, yeah? So there's that element. Where in the non-Western world, I think it comes in what what plays a big role is uh, maybe more like the religi religiosity. So, for example, in banking, um, you, you, maybe the average person is not too, too interested in the Islamic finance side of things, the Islamic banking side of things. Um, whereas everyone in the Muslim world pretty much wants the halal meat. Right. So basically what I'm saying is there's. There's different Slightly ways you can scale. define it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I, I, I think this is why I, when you said, "Oh, what is the Muslim market?" It's such a wide, um, yeah. sort of spectrum of scope. Like, I, I mean, I mean, Muhammad sort of defined it as our Muslim market in the West. I mean, mm. to be honest, uh, kind of, uh, um, I won't say disagree with it, but for me, the, the Muslim market is look. There's 1.8 billion Muslims, of which, let's say, you know, two thirds of them are of the age of spending and stuff. So for me, that constitutes the Muslim market, no matter where you yeah. are. Because yeah. again, they're going to have obviously, and obviously, it does vary country by country or region by region in terms of mm. their kind of what they can afford and how you serve them, etc. But yeah, yeah. there's certain global product, there's certain products that actually, yeah. no matter where you are, they'll, they'll benefit from. And, it's basically and, and, the the pop. Sorry, I cut you off. Go. That's on. All right. 
Okay. Yeah, it's basically the population of Muslims in the West plus yeah. the population of all the Muslim countries, pretty much. Mm, like, yeah. like, yeah, so basically. So yeah. that's what is that, bro, is that actually 1.8 billion? Because I always feel like these numbers are inflated, yeah? Like, is there really 1.8 billion Muslims, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there's because uh, isn't the total like what eight billion? Obviously, you know, some the figures that we it always goes from like one point five, one point six, but obviously we have to, you know populations growing and growing and growing. So yeah. latest uh, reports and figures and stuff that I've read will all say kind of one point eight. Uh, 1. I 8 think billion. I think the other thing that's really changed mm-hmm. the market though, is is actually um, the internet in terms of the access because in mm-hmm. the old days we'd be like okay, there's there's one point two billion Muslims. So what? Like, we live in the UK, that doesn't mean anything. Like, we're not going to advertise to them on the TV channels. We won't be able to connect with the Muslims in Malaysia. But now, like, you know, over these last 15, 20 years, um, the way the internet has come, the way that the most poorest people on earth have access to mobile phones, suddenly it does become that huge market. And Fessa, we talked a lot about this with um, the, that book that we read uh, called Abundance, which is a really, really great book. Uh, and it talks about the bottom billion, which is like the uh, lowest income people, the poorest people in the world, uh, having access to things like this, which then allows them to do so many other things, you know. Mm. Um, so I think with that in mind, like you could have something like, uh, like we speak to a lot of brothers and sisters who are trying to do things like Quran apps, mm. right? So a Quran app, you could see that that would be um, viable for people of so many different countries. Right now, obviously, even those that are doing Quran apps, they will prioritize certain uh, certain parts of the Muslim industry. So, for example, the fact that you're doing an English app, that mm. means that you're focusing on obviously English uh, speaking mm. Muslims. And then, obviously, slowly, slowly, you'll add more languages, and then you might add Turkish, and you might add uh, Malay, and all these other things. And then suddenly, it kind of becomes wider. Um, mm. And I think this is the other thing that why do we talk about the Muslim market? Because we're trying to identify a type of consumer. Why are we trying to identify a type of mm. consumer or a type of market? Um, because the better we know this person, the better we can serve this person. So I think that if we just leave it at this big thing that it's 1.8 billion, you know, we're going to weaken our messaging, we're going to weaken our offering. So it's mm. about having that holistic view and then kind of bringing it in to funnel mm. it to something a lot more specific that we can actually make use of it. Yeah, but I, I think yeah, I can't 100% agree. And I think that whenever you're, if, you, if, you're, if you're going out with a product or, or, or service, if you say, oh yeah, my product serves all 1.8 billion, that it's unlikely that, you mm. know, that it's going to be the case and it's not, yeah. you know, not going to be that credible. But I think uh, to, to start off this kind of dialogue, it's important to understand the macro level um, and, and so what are the trends in that kind of macro level? So first of all, we know that the Muslim market is basically much younger than the rest of the world that's oh, yeah. one uh, yeah so that's the one trend that we already know like i think the median age in the muslim world is 20, 24 23 or 24 depending on which report you read and then the in the rest of the world it's between 28 and 32 so straight away you know that okay right we're dealing with um a younger um a younger and most likely tech savvy consumer yeah. but also also first you know like because because i know you've done a lot of research into this right and so, like, it's good to bring up all these kind of points that you're saying, because I know there's a few of those big points. But just to, just to make us aware of what that actually means, it means not only do we have a much younger population, but it means, like, in the Western world, how, where you have people who are aging, who can't work, yeah, exactly, who are relying exactly, on pensions, yeah, who are of this kind of age, the problems that it brings and sickness and all this kind of stuff, like, the Muslim world is much better off in that sense, you know? Yeah, 100%, because it means that what's going to happen is that as we, get forward, like, as we go you know, forward in time, um, 
that's that the Muslim, um, as the Muslim market matures and, and the, the Western world kind of um, declines, uh, you're going to see, you're going to get a point where you see a golden age, bro. Golden age. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the first thing. The, one of the other things I found really, really interesting um, when looking into this is that so it, the, the figure is like 75% of the kind of Muslims globally actually have English as a, a first or second language, which for me was really interesting because mm. it's like, you know, um, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I've got to, if I want to serve everyone in the, in the world, I need to do, I need, I need to have this language and this language. I want, I want Arabic to serve. But actually, if, if, if that's the, the, really the case, and also this is all from you know, Pew and all these kind of big research um, organizations, that means that from an 80-20 perspective, you can actually focus purely on, on, on English to start mm. off with, and you can serve a, you know, yeah. a, a huge part. Um, yeah. And again, just from the, that kind of model of 80-20, I think it, it's a good model to just to apply when you're looking at markets to go into, because even when you look at mm. um, the top, I think these are the top 10 um, Muslim countries. So I think Malaysia, Indonesia, the subcontinent, and then, and then the North African countries, they account for like 50% of the entire market. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Special, it's, it's interesting what you said about language, right? Because <clears throat> what I've found that whole thing around English is that it's actually something not only in the Muslim market, but even in the non-Muslim market. And I'll give an mm. example, like um, I've been married for, I think, like 12 or 13 years now. And uh, my wife is French. So whenever I go to see my uh, in-laws, um, a lot of my in-laws are non-Muslim. And mm. uh, like when I first got married, like at that level, no one spoke English. So, so you imagine I'm going to France, I'm meeting my in-laws, like no one speaks English. But when I go to France now, like all my nephews, in-laws, my nieces, all the young ones, they all speak English. And like, like their level of confidence in English is different because mm. they're exposed to the music, they're exposed to movies and all these kind yeah, of things. Yeah. Where suddenly like... That soft, pow soft power in it. <laughs> yeah, so suddenly English has become like a, a real part of them, even though the French are actually quite famous for being those guys that say, no, no, no you learn French, we're not going to learn English. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah? And I think in the Muslim world, we're seeing that same kind of thing. Yeah. And, and this is the whole thing around globalization and America yeah, and yeah. people looking up to the West and everything. But from a language perspective, it does make mm. it great for Muslim businesses and organizations, you know, mm. with the power of English. 100%. When it comes to like uh, starting a business or focusing on selling to Muslims, I think there still is a very big divide though, right? Because um, I was mm. speaking to someone a couple of weeks ago they they have an app and the app is cheap right it's like six pounds a month or something yeah and even then it's like selling that to the hundred million muslims in india for example mm. it's not it's not going to be like an attractive price it's going to seem like way over the top mm, right? of course yeah so so for that reason a lot of people will neglect those markets like india which is huge like indonesia which is huge right um he was still going down the route, he was, but many people, they just kind of, I think they assume that, you know, we're, our pricing is just going to have to change so much when uh, but you approaching know, those I markets. Mean, this is like an interesting topic because um, mm. I think back in the days it was definitely the case, but I think mm. things are really, really changing now. And, and I'll give an example of what I mean by that. Um, I spoke to this brother recently. He is from, he's like spent a lot of time in the UK, but he's living in Bangladesh. And he was telling me that in Bangladesh, there are people who will pay $50 for a course. Okay. Now for me, that's, that's like amazing. Why is it amazing? Because 
we know that all the marketing gurus say if you want to get really cheap likes and really cheap opt-ins and <laughs> yeah, engage, that, yeah. like go to Bangladesh, go to Pakistan, go to these countries. Why? Because advertising is so cheap there that mm. you can increase everything by to an excellent next level. And so I was thinking to him that you know, there's people in the UK who are selling $50 courses and trying to be profitable over it with marketing mm. to the UK. But if you were paying like one twentieth of that price and then mm. you could target people, it's very powerful. And then I think mm. also the sheer numbers of these countries make it that there is actually a very viable market for these people, but you have to be targeted. So take Pakistan as an example. Yeah, Pakistan has 240 million people. Okay, So let's say 99% of those people are poor or middle class or whatever and only one percent is the the like super rich okay that gives you 2.4 million people okay mm. now from the 2.4 million people that's like more than the population of Qatar or something yeah exactly <laughs> so from those 2.4 the muslim people, the, the muslim market in the uk it totals 2.4 million exactly so now if you take that 2.4 million of super rich muslim and i'm not talking about rich like uk level i'm talking like uh, exceedingly by yachts type of rich right so that 1% of people, if you then say, well, of those, only 10% are relevant to your market, you know, that's still like 240,000 Muslims who are mm. very, very uh, like ready to buy and like prepared, mm. you know, from that perspective. So, so then why don't we target those areas? <laughs> no, I th because I think it's about offering, right? It's about yeah. what you offer. And that's why I'm saying to you that there's a difference between a $50 product and a $10,000 marketing offer. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, all of these countries have very rich people, no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. Every country like Nigeria, India, Bangladesh, they have tons of yeah. very rich people. Uh, uh, and uh, what, they, what they also have as well, what they also have is much more, I would say, pain of, let's say if you're selling something about, you know, getting, you know, making money online or something like that. So they're like, okay, a lot of them might have grown up in poverty or, or seen that around them, or they want that independence. Uh, and, and obviously, mm. the, the work ethic thing is over there as well, which is much, you know, maybe more so sure. than in the West. So, yeah. you, know, you, you know, it is something that's uh, definitely possible. Mm. I mean, it might be good yeah. to go into a little bit about niches and, and, and more specific uh, verticals and stuff, because a lot of people, obviously, this is the foundation level, right? Like people who haven't been into business, who haven't been into marketing, they just see the Muslim market and they think that's it. But mm. there are like verticals, there are more specific niches to kind of go into. And then there's the whole concept of evergreen niches, right? <laughs> so like for, for you guys, like what, what does it mean when we say an evergreen niche or niche? <laughs> uh, I don't know what that term means, bro. Evergreen, yani, uh, it's always, well, it, it's not a fad, is that what it means? Yeah. Yeah, it just means that it'll always, yeah, like, like you can create products or services within that niche and it'll always mm. sell basically all year right. round it's not seasonal right. it's not like you know, here today gone tomorrow kind of thing. okay yeah. so in like for example like bitcoin wouldn't really be evergreen right you know that no kind of thing, yeah? like in in the non-muslim niche right uh, in the non-muslim market the marketers usually say that there's three uh, main uh, niches one is health which is mm. everything from skincare to weight loss to confidence and everything quick smoking and stuff yeah, yeah. so that's health then there's uh, wealth. So that's like making money and all of those kind of things. And then the third thing, uh, which is huge as well, is relationships, right? So obviously non-Muslims, they have a different kind of context to ours. So uh, this could be about What's dating. What's the relationships kind of market? <clears throat> dating, so but whatever. It could be, it could be dating. Uh, mm. Within dating. Weddings. And, and the other thing is within dating, there's like sub-niches. So there's things like get your ex back, which is like a huge niche, right? Not that I've looked into anything. Mm. <laughs> like a, a massive niche. That's like a deceptive kind of offering. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. 
so you have you have uh, you have all of that kind of thing but then even things like communication can kind of fall into uh, relationships and uh, mm. weddings and as well marriage. right that's a big industry. yeah marriage so th- yeah. these but are like, all, the, all, the, all these dating apps isn't it yeah, yeah exactly so mm. what about muslims right like mm. what like i mean if you if you look at these you could say that you know it's very very similar in that sense um mm. so when it comes to like um, marriage marriage is a huge thing you've seen mm. People like single Muslim and Muzmach do extremely well in the market, right? Uh, and you can see new people always kind of entering that market as well. Um, in terms of like um, wealth, so wealth is a huge thing. I think it's worked. We've seen different people come to the Muslim market, talk about making money online. I think it's done uh, well, but I don't think mm. it's been done so well or, or so many people have done no, it. a market leader in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Except the same... Us. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> And then the same, same with uh, health. I think health is, is the same. I think what, what's different, like, I mean, there are, there are things we joke about as Muslim marketers, right? We talk about how gin is one of those topics, right? Yeah. That is like evergreen. Anytime you talk about gin, people are interested. Anytime you talk about the jal or the end of times, like Muslims are kind of interested. So I think there are kind of, <laughs> there are kind of uh, markets and stuff <laughs> that are, are like that. Um, but I think it also, it also depends on the maturity of, of Muslims, right? In terms of the Muslim market, because we kind of have this thing where today in the world, one of the biggest industries is info products, right? So selling information, selling con- uh, consultancy, all this kind of stuff is, is absolutely huge. But as Muslims, like, do you guys feel that we're at that stage now where we're like the normal Muslims where we buy information products freely and, and you can sell courses and advice, or are we still like very behind? So, so I think first of all, we have to understand that the, the West are, or non-Muslim market, let's say, are maybe 10, 20, maybe even 30 years ahead, right? So in terms of their maturity online, they've, they've been early adopters. Muslims have been quite traditional in that sense, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you, know, you know, preferring community-based things, etc. It's actually this, from our generation, minor means... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, from my generation, kind of downwards, is that people are now embracing online, and they they basically as we as the generations live in the West, we are doing behavioral patterns, you know, uh, you know, you know, based on what we see and what we've learned around us and how we've been educated, etc. So now, naturally, I think we are sort of catching up, and mm. and uh, and so initially. Uh, maybe five, ten years ago, when when people were first going in, there was no real like Muslim kind of leaders and stuff out there. So we were just looking at information products from the best of the West uh, kind of things. Yeah. Might be you know turning around into whoever. It's, as I think um, we're seeing with this new generation, we have um, uh, people are now much more strong in their identity. So people have you know have a stronger identity as Muslims. You know, uh, and they like they're like, you know what? Um, I want um, I want to work with Muslims. Or I want I, I want to get uh, benefit from, 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 from Muslims. I think we we are seeing, but that's, that's I think that's a group of people. Obviously, that's not everyone. I think I found I found I found one evergreen niche for Muslims, which yeah. might not be evergreen for others. That is charities. Mm, okay. Right. So charities in the Muslim world have actually uh, Muslim market have done very very well. Right. I was talking to um, Dr. Amjad Sakib, who's the head of Akhuat, which is an Islamic finance. Uh, microfinancing for the poor and they've done they've like given out like 900 million dollars that's in a country that's poor like pakistan right um, and then you've got the islamic reliefs of the world who are like top charities in the, in the west as well um, mm. so i think charities as a whole is like a huge huge market and it's one of those markets where we are more advanced because we started like 40 50 years ago 
right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And when I was talking to one of the brothers, uh, Fuzzle, who's like uh, head of Crescent Rating, he was saying that he found that the Muslim market wasn't actually served and people weren't really looking at it from a Muslim consumer perspective. But mm. every single day, the Muslims are increasing in number. Uh, we're spending more, we're becoming more comfortable in, in the West and all this kind of stuff. And I think that as time goes on, different aspects are being developed. So for example, right now, you know, uh, someone like Akmal Salim is just kind of working on risk, which is like an alternative uh, banking solution for Muslims, right? So yeah. all these kind of things where we're like, there's, there's space there. And I think this is what I really love about the Muslim market, that I feel that it's not developed. So anything you start will usually take a lot more time traction wise, but the potential for you becoming a market leader is huge. Quick, it's absolutely yeah, yeah. huge, right? And it's quicker than normal, yeah. Yeah, because right now you can see that there's people in the, like when we say in the non-Muslim world, if we said, okay, uh, who is a good personal development guru? Okay, we'll be like, oh yeah, it's Tony Robbins, it's Brian Tracy, it's, uh, you know, Jim Rohn, it's like Brendan Bouchard. Mm -hmm. and you got all these people who come to mind, right? If I said to you like in the Muslim world, who's like the man for personal development? Apart from Muhammad Arshad, what would you guys say? I'd say Muhammad Arshad as well. Yeah, who, who else? Like, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'd say um, Sheikh Muhammad Sharif, for example. He's like into that personal yeah. type of thing. But yeah, even then, the it's not like world, yeah. clear cut, right? So, mm. so for, for someone to come in and be very specific and say, look, I do personal development for Muslims, yeah. right? Mm. And just keep honing that in. Like yeah. within a year or two, you mm. can see yourself getting to the front. Mm. And, and if you think about it, guys, like for, for us, like, you know, a, a lot of our work was behind the scenes before with the agency, we were doing work for clients and all this kind of stuff. It's only in the last year or so that Muslim CEOs kind of come to the front and said, look, this is what we do. And from yeah. that, we've seen so much interest, so many people kind of getting involved and people mm. starting to see us now as, as like a leader when it comes to marketing. And how's yeah. that? That's happened so quick. But if we had mm. like a hundred different Muslims who were playing that role already, it would be very difficult. So I think there's so much opportunity there. Yeah, okay. mm. what it is, is that uh, Muslims are... Uh, starved for, for, for these kind of things. Like, like, you know how you, I think you said it before in the past that Muslims love c celebrities or or or, like, or personalities. Or personalities. personalities yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and stuff. And so when there's someone who's front and center and showing the way and you know follow followers, like, you know, we're looking, we're dying for kind of heroes and stuff in that sense. So, um, so with. If and I took him, look, you, you mentioned Akbar Salim, but I'm just talking about like like fintech and stuff in general. Like, look, this has been a pain since since day one for Muslims. Oh, God, Riba, and all that kind of stuff. It's so painful. And as yet, no one has come because they've not had the capital of the vision, or I don't know what it is. They've not solved this problem for Muslims. As soon as someone can do it at the level of, like, say, Monzo and Starling, all these guys have come in, they've done better solutions. But again, it's not. Muslim focus, but as soon as now, um, ones come, ones that led the way, and I don't know which one came first. You've seen a lot of three or four have jumped on because of the initial traction and interest. So, and if you think you mentioned risk, you mentioned risk. Then Kestrel's there. There's Insha. There's there's like four or five different ones that have come out all at the same time mm. because and if you, that, that, that desperation or that desire for it. If you, if you think about it, bro, the gap you talked about twenty thirty year gap, right? That gap now is is becoming smaller and smaller mm -hmm. in a quicker amount of time, yeah. right? The, the catch up is accelerated and it's not just um, between the Muslim and non-Muslim world It's between the, you know, less developed and then the developed world. Um, that, that gap is being, you know, uh, made smaller and smaller quicker, yeah. right? So yeah, for yeah. example, how old is Monzo, for example, five years mm -hmm. old? Yeah, probably that. Yeah. 
five years old. It is so, five years old, yeah. So now like Rizq is coming out. So that gap is only five years there. You get it? Mm, and yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, transfer-wise, Revolut. Like, yeah, these are like five years or younger, maybe even. Yeah. Uh, and they have hundreds of millions of capital behind them. So that just shows that in some areas, Muslims will be only a few years behind. And I hope that means, inshallah, that eventually uh, we will actually become the leaders and pioneers mm. in certain areas. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think that's, that's a really good point. Uh, I mean, because if you think about when the first charity was started in the UK and then maybe our next charity was like 80 years later, 100 years later, and, and that gap really going down. Um, I think I think like now we have a situation where someone like Akmal, if you take a look at him, like he has like so much experience in creating brands and all this stuff. So as we have Muslim professionals who are doing real branding, real marketing, doing all these kind of things and being exposed to it, then it's much quicker because they have just as good a chance as anyone else. But one I thing, I, was, one thing I just wanted to say, bro, is really important. Anyone watching this, I think the advice I would give them is to think about Akmal and Akhuat. Um, what Akmal said when, he, when I asked him that question, like, how come no one's come up with the idea? He said, what's been happening is that um, Muslims have been looking at the current finance industry and been going, okay, this is how they do finance. We'll do a Muslim version of that. Yeah, okay? yeah. But he said, what we're doing is we're, like, we're wiping the slate clean. We are coming blank canvas. Forget. Imagine banking did not exist. How would we do it as Muslims? Okay, mm. so that's like a completely different mindset, a paradigm, a paradigm shift, yeah. shift mm. in the way that you're thinking, mm. right? Yeah, that's so leadership. That's, in yeah, that's yeah. leadership. So one thing I think is really important, anyone watching this who's interested in the Muslim market, do not fall into the trap that seeing, oh, there's Tony Robbins, yeah? Okay, person, it, yeah. he does personal development. Let me just add click. Let me just add it, inshallah, yeah? So instead of click here, let me just add click here, inshallah, and then suddenly, like, it's, it's all fine, right? Mm. It's not. It's about us actually coming from that paradigm where we are blank mm. canvas. That's the first thing. Second thing I would say is Akhuwat, like these guys, this guy, bro, he made $100 into $900 million in a country like Pakistan, right? And everything he's done, bro, is based on the Sunnah. The whole meaning, Akhuwat, is about brotherhood between the Ansar and the Muhajirun and, and the fact that they helped each other. And his whole vision is the rich people of this world helping the poor people of this world to basically get to that stable position and then they've gone riba free and like they've been very strict on riba yeah. then they use masajid when they're giving the money out and then they've got 99 percent rate of return so what i'm saying is that fundamentally when we're thinking about solutions as muslims especially for the muslim market we should be coming from a different paradigm we should be coming from a clean slate kind of design perspective mm -hmm. and then we should be using our identity as muslims and of course the sunnah because there's so much barakah and mm -hmm. wisdom in the sunnah in our deen and we should be taking that stuff and putting that stuff into our products and services Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it reminds me of, uh, I mean, even when we spoke to the brothers at uh, Andalus, uh, mm. they, they, they were like, look, there's a, prob there's a fundamental problem with um, the whole Silicon Valley funding and that's all that for Muslims. And obviously, uh, and obviously Andalus was the Silicon Valley of its day. We need to reimagine the entire sort of like the whole funding model and stuff. I, I, because I think all, all of the, you know, we haven't, we've talked about how great the Muslim market is and this and that. We haven't talked about some of the challenges. And I think that that is probably the, one of the biggest challenges that there is, that mm. not, most of the VCs, most of the people with deep pockets to fund some of these big ventures um, are obviously non-Muslims. So they don't, either they don't get the potential, they don't, mm. they're not really in it, they're not, they're not, they don't have that vested interest. But, I mean, but, it, it, so. it is true. I think it is true. If you look at the, I think the biggest um, shareholder in Tesla, who is that? Saudi. 
you know. But but but, but again, what you what you're thinking is that Saudi equals um, sort of Muslim in that sense. I'm not. I'm not no, I'm but they are Muslims. What I'm saying, what I'm talking about, is more. So what you're saying is they're not Muslim, right? No, no, no. I think I think what what Fessel's saying is that basically, and I think this is this is very very common that everyone in the world right now does not want to risk their money in risky businesses. Right? It's not about Muslim, non-Muslim. If a Muslim, uh, if a non-Muslim sees an opportunity where they believe, look, we can make some real cash on this, yeah. they will invest. But what, yeah, what would, would Saudi invest in Muslim? Actually, they probably would. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying because the because of the understanding of the market and the need, it might be lower. But something like Muzmatch, right? People look at it like if I was a non-Muslim investor, you'd be like, okay, this is relationships. Dating has done very, very well. This is like the halal version of it. I could see this doing really well. Islamic yeah. finance, like the non-Muslims are hugely involved in Islamic finance, right? Yeah, like yeah. all of our stuff is underpinned by non-Muslim banks and stuff anyway. So yeah. fundamentally, I think what it is is that their risk tolerance is much higher when it comes to Muslim projects, right? And then also there is, of course, what you said, bro, like there's a lack of understanding. For me to go to a Muslim and non-Muslim and try and explain that as a non-Arab speaker how important it is for me to kind of understand Arabic it's very difficult for them to kind of comprehend that right yeah but I think that the point is that there's enough capital in the Muslim world for them yeah. to actually fund it and there I is think, yeah but, but, but what, yeah. what needs there to is, change but... is just the mindset and the attitude and like education I suppose uh, and yeah. a few risks being taken that's it yeah, 100%. But, but I think that's what I'm saying, that if you actually look at behaviours of, of sort of investors and things like that, it's, at the moment anyway, it's not conducive to uh, them, what, like, you know, backing um, like Muslim brands and that only focus on Muslims. That's the thing. Like, you know, if, uh, so I mean, Muslim is obviously an exception, I'd say. Um, and obviously, the, because of the attraction, you know, the numbers, are kind of, obviously, they, they, basically, things are driven by, economy isn't it and my data um i what sometimes what, i guess a lot something what i'm talking about is like the whole uh, i guess ideology or where you know muslims investing in muslim projects because of the grand vision of the economy strengthening long term um mm. and so i think when you look at uh, so I, a prime example actually is we talk about about risk and all these guys but there's actually one that beat them all to the punch a few years ago called uh omar finance have you heard of them? No. Okay, so on finance, about only they're about two, two, 2018, but they actually got they actually got funding. But one, one I'm not sure if it's a conditional funding or whatever, but they had to rebrand and rename themselves to Money Mint. So uh, and, and instead of being Islamic and other, it's actually an ethical mm, bank. Ah, uh, is that because? The investor was, you know, concerned about the risks and it perhaps, might not work. Perhaps, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember reading press releases on it and stuff at the time, and so yeah. it was. It coincided with the fact that, yeah. So obviously, I've never, I've never spoken to. Them. I don't really know the full background yeah. of the detail, but the fact of it is, like, just a year later, all of these mm -hmm. <laughs> other banks are sort of now coming into place. And so again, it's like, look, the, look. I spoke to a recently from uh, the app Minted. So Minted are like a, 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 again, a fintech who are trying to make gold accessible to, to everyone. And so it's really, really great concept, really great idea. And again, he, he's identified Muslims as a market who'd be very, very interested because of the Hadiths and all that kind of stuff. But the way he's branded it is not specifically at Muslims, yeah. but it's not, it doesn't discount Muslims either. So, mm. and, and so there's, no, there's no right or wrong answer. This is my point. Mm. Uh, you, Would that you, be yeah. in Muslim market or not? You know? I guess he would say that's one of his target markets. 
I, I mean, it was interesting. It was like, it, it was like that. It's like, he had two very clear um, markets, and Muslims could be fit, fit in either one of them, but it wasn't specifically out there targeting oh. Muslims. That right. Sense. So, mm. so it was like, I, we've got the young, young professional, we've got such a coach, but and Muslims make up those, but it's not out mm. targeting them. I think one thing we should definitely touch upon as we're talking about the Muslim market is like the, the actual maturity of the individuals within the market, right? Mm, um, it, yeah. Because like, you know, sometimes like, I'll give you an example. Someone will see me, uh, let's say on a website selling something, right? Just the fact that I have this, <laughs> this long beard, right? For them, it's a lot of people. It's like, okay, this guy's selling. His normal terminology is things like inshallah and alhamdulillah. And by that connotation, he's now using Islam to sell, right? So, like, how does someone kind of, uh, like, first of all, what do you guys think about that kind of stuff? Like, should it be that we very completely remove our deen from, from any sort of communication when we're in business? Should it be within us? How does it all work? And, like, what's the whole state of selling uh, in the Muslim market? Mm. So, so I, for me, um, is that, look, Let's go back in history, because we don't often do that. Let's go back in history. Muslims, have, have they always traded or not? Yes, they have. And basically, they've got, we've got a reputation, we've got a heritage of, of trading with one another and relationships. Like they say, half the deen is in Muhammad to transactions, right? So if it's such a big part of who we are and, and like we've got, we've got a, almost like a blueprint of how we're supposed to do it in Islam, etc., then online... Is is this the, the market marketplace of, of, of today? You know, like in, in, if you imagine back today in the you know, in the markets and stuff when they spoke to each other, oh, Islamic, oh, how you? It, it would have been done very, like you know, properly with Islamic values and stuff. So why shouldn't we do that today? I don't understand. I don't understand why, why mm. it's an issue. Does that make sense? I think, I think it might be a couple of reasons. Yeah, one is, yeah, and if you look at the the average Muslim, it depends where you are, okay? But the average Muslim, they say, Salaamu Alaikum Wa Alaikum Salaam, okay? They might say, Inshallah. But being in that mindset of like, my whole life is for Allah and this kind of stuff, maybe that's not so, so, so common, right? Maybe, mm. yeah. Which maybe. means that when they see somebody uh, selling something and they're using the language of Islam, they might assume that because in their daily life, they're not so open and, and always mentioning these things. They might assume that, oh, you're only bringing it up because you want to persuade me. Maybe mm -hmm. that's it. So maybe it says something about where we are, yani religion-wise, in terms of how much religion impacts our life. Because if we're like, yani what we strive for, you know, like our day is scheduled around the salah and everything we say is alhamdulillah this and um you know we know the, the hadith and we know the rules for this and that then when we say see you say assalamu alaikum you know do you want to buy this from me inshallah and may allah put barakah in it and all that it'll be more normal and you wouldn't be uh skeptical but because maybe it's not that um common maybe that's the thing mm. that could be a factor I, I think also what it is is that selling generally in different mm. cultures in, is seen differently, right? So if you, yeah, if you think true. about something like the Americans, right? The mm. Americans are actually very comfortable with people selling, right? Mm. Generally, being like, to. yeah, being sold to, like they're very normal. Business is huge over there. It's very different. In Britain, even. Tremendous like our, business over there. <laughs> <laughs> even, even in Britain, like I think we're a little bit less than the, than the Americans, right? Where we're like, you know, 
They're like, oh, don't be pushy. Yeah, don't be pushy, (laughs) all this kind of stuff, right? And then the Muslim market's even lower than that. It's like, what? You're actually selling something. Like, brother, why don't you do this for the sake of Allah? Just say Bismillah and then live off that, right? Like, why would you charge (laughs) for it? So I think there's that whole connotation of like, I mean, a lot of our culture as well is about giving, right? Alhamdulillah, we're very lucky as Muslims that we have that culture. I remember when my dad had his own shop and the kind of things he was doing, you know, he was always giving people like things for free and this and that. He would just buy stuff and give people stuff and and like this whole notion of giving stuff for free and uh, having discounts and all this, this is, I think, a bit of a, an Asian thing as well. Maybe it's a, a wider Muslim thing as well. Um, but fundamentally, I think a lot of Muslims are not comfortable with other people selling to them. Um, and some of it has to do with the fact that if you sell me something which is inferior, which is a scam, then obviously I'm not going to like it. I don't want to buy it, right? Mm. But the point is, like someone, someone was saying the other day, I think one of the speakers, they were saying that, if you truly believe in your product, like let's say you have a real product that helps Muslims with something, right? Then you have a moral obligation to sell that. You have to, because if it solves, like the Prophet said that, um, uh, it's like a hadith, I'm paraphrasing, that someone who comes to the help of another Muslim and aids him, Allah will help them, right? So fundamentally, if you have something that can help other Muslims and benefit them and can make them better and help them with their problems, then you have to have that thing in you where I have to sell this and I have to go out there. And obviously money is one of those things where you have to live. You cannot have your everyday thing just supplied by Bismillah, right? You have to live. So I think it's that whole connotation of what sales actually is, what selling is and having real value. Because obviously we've seen different people come into the markets, they scam people, there's issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, people get like, oh, okay, now they just paint you by the same brush, right? Yeah, yeah. I, but I think we can't ignore the fact that there have been sort of charlatans, and at the end of the day, there are always people looking to make a quick buck and this and that. It's but it's about, and so you know, you know, but that's I, not yeah, a Muslim I, you know, issue. That is not, a, it's a general a, world world issue. World yeah, yeah, issue. exactly. Yeah. Internet, uh, basically, internet making business so easy to begin, very yeah, low yeah. barrier to entry. Yeah. But you know, like there are then on the other side, there are I think the players that like we kind of focus because maybe it's our thing, like internet. Uh, marketing and stuff like that but there is a whole world of islamic banks for example mm. in the muslim world like very well established then islamic is right there in the in the name the the offerings is you know supposed to be you know based on islamic values and stuff mm. so um that's like that's like a very big thing um at the same time yeah and at least in the uae what i see is um it's not the majority of Muslims that maybe are going to those Islamic banks, right? So that's like goes back to what we're saying is that there are levels to Muslim market, right? There are different areas where mm-hmm. people want to take uh, the Islamic side of things more seriously or less seriously, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Do, do you remember there's one, there's one of these, um, um, I think when we were doing it for a client, we, we did like this like research around, again, Muslim demographic and stuff. And we split it into... Um, the the two the basically the two types. There's the futurists, and then the the, the traditionalists. I don't know if you remember okay. that. Yeah. Um, mm. and so you have the futurists, basically, and I think we're getting more and more of this. This new generation are the futurists. So there's basically mm. these guys are sort of Gen Y, Gen Z. They're okay. basically faith and identity is very big for them. They're more well traveled or globalized than, than than anyone and stuff, and so they're more like looking for Muslim type products. They're more happy with technology and uh, but also they're more informed. So they, I think these guys because they're more informed, they um, so they they're like okay, maybe I might not want to go to Islamic bank, 
but because oh, you know, they're not really the you know the right type, and so we want to have a proper Muslim bank or whatever. So those guys are a bit more like that. Um, and and the reality is with those with this particular demographic, they're not really in, they're, they're not interested in you know just sticking to the status quo. They they're quite they're all about transparency and accountability. They're not unafraid to call people out if they need to. Um, so th that's why they're, they're they're quite they're quite demanding. But they're very lucrative because they're affluent. They all got good jobs and education and stuff. So that's this this mm. kind of. And then they have the traditionalists who are a bit more old school, sort of like maybe uh, forty plus and stuff. Um, who, like, they're like you know, maybe the the guys um, who just want uh, are doing things a bit, a bit more the kind of the old school way. Uh, they want more safety and and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe you know. Mm. So I think that the world is going towards, especially the internet world anyway mm. is going more towards these kind of futurists mm. and being able to serve these guys and, that, and that's why you know it takes me back to this whole conversation we were having about verticals so although um i'm just talking about evergreen niches and stuff i mean like there's really like seven or eight key verticals established you know or ident identified obviously one is finance which we've talked a lot about fintech and stuff then you have the of the modest fashion you have you have uh obviously massive massive um you massive, know, yeah, uh, industry yeah um and then you got like kind of like, uh, then you got um, halal like, like lifestyle and stuff. So that's what that's kind of like covers entertainment. It covers like Muslim and people like that. Uh, you have what's it called halal cosmetics being one. Obviously, food being another, tourism being another, and education. So there, I would say that the main key verticals that um, that all of mm. the probably billion dollar, if not trillion dollar, obviously mm. finance is probably a trillion dollar industry, but the others are certainly and I think I think this is a good point because I, I like the way you've kind of identified these because you know a lot of the people that we speak to who are trying to build businesses it, it's it's always one of these kind of areas uh, and like you said finance is kind of one of those big ones there's lots of money there it's kind of established and it's getting more established the other big one like you said is like fashion cosmetics all these kind of things they're now going to this whole kind of next level it's like even uh, first I think you were telling me that one of our clients who's working with us on the program actually got um, partnered up with Ferrari, right? <laughs> like with the kind of stuff that they're doing. So like you can see like major brands like Ferrari now dealing with a Muslim brand uh, and, and kind of working on that. So I think mm. that fundamentally like this- The thing is though, bro, I think that's, it wasn't a Muslim brand. Maybe that's what's important to remember here mm. is, you know, her brand is, uh, it's based in the UK, I believe, and it's got an Arab flavor to it, yes. right? But but but, 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 one, but one but one, one one crucial thing that they did say is that mm. we were looking for something for our Muslim clients. It was mm. actually the brief. Really? Yeah. So, okay. so, yeah. yeah. So that was that was actually why they chose mm. to go oh, for Ramadan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for Ramadan. So exactly. So again, now, people are understanding that. Okay, well, Ferrari. I guess they're now at that stage where they've got a lot of um, <laughs> I guess buyers, the customers who are yeah. Muslim. Maybe that mm. wasn't the case 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, one yeah. thing, one thing I wanted to do, like obviously we said that most of these episodes we're going to do in the future inshallah they're going to be very concrete they're going to be there to help people and today's discussion was more around giving a holistic view uh, of the market so just to kind of get a bit more uh, specific and concrete for the last part i just wanted to ask you guys like if there's a, a muslim who's watching this right now um and they're basically going through this kind of mindset where i want to do something for muslims i want to start something um I don't know where I want to focus. You know, I always, I always tell people like, go check out the training at MuslimCEO.com um, because that will give you a great understanding of marketing. I, I love that training, right? Um, but like if they're watching this now and they're questioning a lot of people, this is a question on people's mind. Is the Muslim market right? Is it big enough? Is it this? Is it that? 
Um, so if they have a solution they want to do for the Muslim market, like what's your advice for kind of getting more solid on the market, the type of people that you're serving and getting into the niches and like, what kind of advice do you guys have for that? Hmm. I might be the wrong guy to ask because um, I, bro, I think uh, most of the time uh, I end up uh, trying to, uh, you know, basically I end up in the Muslim market selling to the Muslim market because I'm Muslim and I love Muslims, not for business reasons. You know, when, it, when I think of like the, obviously this is limited to ideas I've had and opportunities I've had, but usually the, the bigger opportunities and the you know, lucrative ones, it hasn't necessarily been selling to Muslims. So for that, if you, if you know, if you business first, I mean, obviously starting a business is about what you want, right? So I like working with Muslims, right? I'm more comfortable with that. So that's part of it. Uh, but then if you want to really, really prioritize money, then it's not about, you know, it's Muslim market or non-Muslim market. It's just about, you know, do I have a great idea to solve a, a big problem? Um, and yeah, if, if you're Muslim, you might end up identifying those problems that Muslims are facing. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's just not about forcing it, forcing it. Like I've if, said. If that's, if that's uh, the definition of it, then that basically we're saying businesses are built around value. The way you uh, actually res, uh, get value or give value is by solving problems. Right. Yeah. So then by uh, no doubt that there will be problems that Muslims face, which are specific to Muslims. And so, yeah, so I was going yeah, to get to that because like, like I was saying uh, in the UAE, uh, I don't know, 70, 80% of the population is Muslim probably. And um, what are the banks that are most popular? They're not the Islamic banks. Right. And what that means is that, there wasn't that huge problem for people that they want solved with an Islamic bank. You get it? So uh, that's why I'm saying I would love Yanni to do, maybe I wouldn't love to do bank, but let's say, you know, let's say, uh, I think it's cool. Yeah. To do a bank, to do a, you know, a Muslim Islamic focused challenger bank. I just think, unfortunately, this is where, this is where just Muslims, you know, inshallah will improve is that Muslims need to have a problem where it's like, I hate riba and I hate, this, uh, you know, these evil things, these bad things, um, and I want to avoid them. But I just feel like in many markets, the number of people who are hungry and dying for a solution to that, it's, it's not always there. I'm not saying yeah. it's not there, yeah, yeah. but it's not always there. But people who are religious, perhaps, and they have the problem, they might do that usual thing where you assume other people have that same problem. Yeah. So I say, don't, I would avoid I would avoid that kind of thinking where it's like, yeah, everyone's religious. Everyone hates the river and wants to <laughs> yeah, avoid yeah. it. Now, unfortunately, yeah. it's not always like that. Yeah. I would, yeah. I'd even say to, it's, it's probably like 20 to 30% of the overall market that, I, that probably identifies as religious or super religious and stuff. So, um, but one thing I just want to, to add is that, you know, when you look at problems, um, obviously we also have that thing, isn't it? Like you either have a painkiller or you have a vitamin. And the vitamins that they're nice to have and painkillers that are, it's really, I've got a splitting headache and I need something to, to, to take it away. And mm. for example, halal food has always done well no matter where you go in any country because I, I, the Quran says I must eat you know, halal and all that kind of stuff and mm. you, you go down that route. Um, what do you call it? It's, it is getting to that stage where people are getting that awareness of things like riba and stuff like that. But you're right. For some reason, and this is the again the state of the Umar, to be said, it's not quite there. Uh, and maybe inshallah, oh, that will get there. 
Um, but modest fashion is another reason. So, so again, looking at, even when you're looking at down these verticals, there's certain things that exist because, right, we have to have an alternative. You know, uh, you know, we have, we can't, we, at the shop, the normal Western shops aren't selling what we need in our fashion or, 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 or we're sending kids to school and they're not learning the Islamic principles and stuff that they need to, or, so hence it needs to be an alternative. Um, so I, I think that's, that's, that's one, one way of looking at it. The, the, the thing, the next thing I was going to say was, it's all to do with, is your, is your focus on my problem like this problem like, like, i'll give you an example so you know so there's people out there who have said oh, i want to do the muslim version of amazon right or i want to do the muslim version of netflix or something right the the thing is is that so with with something like amazon muslims there's nothing i would say haram about what muslims what amazon do so in terms of the muslims benefit from it like and so so if is there a need for it is it a painkiller it's probably not it's a vitamin, but as long as you understand that, there's no harm, you yeah. can still go ahead and do it. And it's a marketplace for Muslims to sell it to each other. That's great. It's going to be but, difficult for sure, though. But it will, of course, it would be difficult because you're competing with, obviously, you know, someone as, as big as that and deep pockets as that and ruthless as that. Jay but, Bezos. Um, yeah, yeah. But also, but the fact that it's the, 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 that, that, um, that really painful demand probably isn't there for something like that, but yeah. um, it would be in the other way. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to add as well because I don't want to be like, a, I don't know if I sounded negative or not, but um, you know what it is? Um, I was thinking about TransferWise, okay? One of my favorite companies, really good offering and everything. And if you think of TransferWise, yeah, I need, okay, people like me who, you know, often have been sending money to different countries and exchanging currencies. Um, yeah, I need, we got the idea that it's expensive to send the money. Like we kind of felt that. But what TransferWise did is they really educated the, mm. the customer on, how much you're really getting ripped off, you know, and that created a pain. Okay. And yeah. So, so go ahead, finish, finish off. Yeah. That created a pain. And when that, uh, they, so through education, they created pain and then they solved that pain. Right. Yeah. So, um, so this is an, an avenue where, um, a Muslim might want to go down where they're like, okay, did you know that just how alcohol is uh, really bad or whatever, and, and you must, you know, haram meat is really bad. Um, ribas even worse or yeah. whatever is really even worse. Um, but what that just requires is, I think, a lot of financial backing and yeah. a, a more of a long-term view where it's 100%. like, look, I'm going to spend three years educating this market and, um, and then eventually the de I'll create the demand myself. Mm. Uh, that's and just expensive and it takes time. But this many companies do that. This is exactly what I was going to say to you guys is that, um, if you look at the other industries, they are maturing. That's why they feel like, oh, there's already a market there. But it wasn't always like this, right? Yeah. So if you, if you look at someone like Tony Robbins, for example, why is Tony Robbins like so highly regarded in the Muslim world? Why is he ahead of the curve? Because he was the first one to really come to the market and educate them that, look, your life doesn't need to be this way. There are things and success leaves clues and there's changes you can make. And he went crazy with the infomercials and educating them that your life can be different and this can happen and this. And, and then because of that, then he became obviously the pioneer in it. And then he created a kind of a, a whole industry with that, right? Even though personal development was, has been there since Islam, like, you know, it's all about developing yourself and stuff. But to bring it to the forefront, he's done that. And I think this is something like what we tried to do in IERA, right? Like in IERA, when we first started, we were looking at Dawah and we were saying, look, Dawah is that thing where it's 
practicing religious Muslims, and of those practicing religious Muslims, most of them don't do da'wah. There's a small percentage, because most practicing Muslims are, I'll pray my salah, I'll give my zakah, I'm a good Muslim, done, right? And then only a tiny percentage of those people would be like, okay, let's go give da'wah. Forget young people giving da'wah, just a little tiny percentage. So what we did is we kind of, uh, I remember I read this book called Influencer, right? And it basically talked about how you influence a society to change. Uh, and within it, they were talking about uh, personal change, uh, group change, societal change, structural change. And I basically, I went into IRA, I spoke to the brothers and we drew this whole map up of how you get people to change in terms of their views of something. And it comes down to like, motivation and ability like are they motivated to do dawah and then do they have the ability so our whole uh, approach was about giving them the motivation giving them the knowledge and then getting them to take action motivation knowledge mm -hmm. and action right but of course like you said this is a long-term approach because we're sitting here saying on day one how do we make dawah cool how do we make it something that people want to do and now alhamdulillah like when you fast forward like 10 15 years since iira's kind of been around like i have non-practicing like completely non-practicing uh, family muslims who 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 do haram like next level stuff and those guys are saying to me oh did you see what happened in hyde park dawah right mm. so it's like the shift has taken place where today dawah is seen as something cool something that young people do something that are confident they do it and and you know people want to get involved in it and stuff and that shift has happened because someone took the time and said right guys like this is something that we care about and we need to do and i think that if muslims are truly passionate about uh, a market and an area and they understand it and they do it we have enough muslims that need that kind of help and we can definitely mm. go out there and make a difference yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's two more um, key things I want to say. First thing, I, as you said, I've always sort of saw myself as a bit of an early adopter. I see a lot of trends. And one of the things we have to acknowledge is that the Muslim market is growing exponentially. It's here to stay. And it's becoming more and more influential by the day. How do we know this? Because when, like I said, three, four, five years ago, we saw, I think H&M had a, um, a model, a, a, a hijabi model in their advertising campaign. And slowly but surely, you, you're starting to see all the big brands uh, actually uh, either have uh, hijab, uh, hijabis or, 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 or overtly Muslim. I mean, Amazon even had someone uh, uh, in their advertising uh, as Muslim. Or they're starting to cater. You go to Asda or you go to Tesco, you've got Ramadan kind of aisles and stuff. Yeah. So we're starting to see it like what people are they're understanding that okay first of all ramadan is like a, a billion dollar season it's like, mm. it's like christmas you know we need to and they obviously their decisions are economically driven right um obviously for us it might be economically driven um as a secondary thing and we i might primary might be okay we want to serve the ummah we want them to do great and stuff and, and for them for us the economic side is a byproduct but but the, the point of it is is that we have to acknowledge that it's it's a big beast and it's it, it's here to stay and it's going to only grow and so it's like if you, if you want a piece of it, how do you do it? The thing I'd say at that point is, what really what people want, yes, they do want to support and this and that, but really what they want more than anything is amazing customer experience, amazing product. And sometimes that's actually where Muslims are lacking. Muslims are willing to go to Muslims, but then they've got a secondary product or, or not, as, not as impressive product. And they think, oh, okay, well, yes, yeah, I would love to have supported, but it's not, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna do myself a disservice. And so, so if you want to really serve them, serve it with their son, again, according to our principles, do it the best possible way you can, right? And look at what they, look at what um, sort of is out there already and improve on it. Mm. That's how you really add it value. That's how you really do service. That's really great advice. And it reminds me of this, uh, 
I think it's a book, but also the book actually, for me, it, it talks about a methodology and a mindset that Muslims need to have in a non-Muslim workplace. Like it's like, uh, it's called so good they can't ignore you, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's the kind of mindset that we should have, that we should be creating a product which mm-hmm. they're not buying it from us because we're Muslims. They're buying it from us because it's such an amazing product. And I think, like Absolutely. you said, Ihsan is within our tradition. Like we should be having that mindset to do things extremely well. So I think it's a great point, bro. How many minutes are we in? Like you can't see on Zoom, man. <laughs> I thought we would have uh, would have cut us off by now. Yeah, I think we're too many minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can wrap it up there, inshallah. Then, so uh, like I said at the beginning, uh, inshallah, we will be doing these on a regular basis. Uh, there is audio and uh, video version of it, right? So video-wise, it'll be on YouTube, uh, Facebook, I guess, and then uh, audio is is on our podcast. Um, is it the Muslim CEO show or anyway, if you just Google Muslim CEO show, you'll definitely see it come up inshallah. And um, uh, yeah, usually I think we're going to like take on some kind of marketing challenges where, you know, for example, one thing I had in mind is like, okay, if we were to make a, you know, a, a proper Islamic bank, but it was like a sick product, what would that look like? Yeah. That's just like an idea I had. So these kind of challenges where we kind of flex our marketing muscles and stuff. Um, so look, uh, look, you know, look forward to that. Like, I'll tell you to look forward to that. And I, think, uh, I mean, yeah. one, one other so thing. Like, yeah. One other thing. I mean, like, um, mm. so one thing is interesting is that if you guys who are watching have ideas, uh, things yeah. you want us to address, like, you know, maybe you've got a Muslim business and you're like, could you help me, like, with a name or this and that? Like, just send those kind of things into us. Like, you can um, yeah. email us at salam uh, at muslimceo.com uh, or you can mm. comment on or the just put it in the stuff. comment behind yeah, this. put it in the comments. Yeah, behind, and the other us. thing I would say is that. Uh, there's a lesson here in the fact that this podcast is unnamed, right? Because <laughs> yeah. one of the things that a lot of Muslims do uh, is that like they get like thinking and they don't take action. For us, we weren't sure what to call this yet. We've gone out to the market. We're like, okay, let's see what the Muslims uh, like us to call this because that's our audience. So we've had some really great suggestions. If you have an idea for a name for this whole uh, kind of show, let us know as well. But also see the fact that even though we didn't have a name, we just we just said, let's do this because taking action is always better than not taking action, right? And this is something like, even when we were starting our consultancy and our agency, we didn't even have a website and we were getting clients on board, right? Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of mindset that take action. And, and so when you see what, what we've gone through today, if there's something that you've picked up from it, you should be going, okay, what's the action? Even if it's just one action that I can take from this podcast or this show that will actually help me move closer to my vision and to my goal and stuff. So I just wanted to say that, I mean, Mm, you went into teacher slash coach mode there. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, cool. Subhanakallah. Assalamualaikum, everyone. See you next time. Subscribe, like, share, dua, all of that. <laughs> <laughs>